Welcome to Improve with Stephanie, a thought-provoking podcast about business improvement strategy, leadership, and innovative technology. Improve with Stephanie will interview CEOs, CFOs, thought leaders, and innovators. Stephanie, CEO of Nelson Legacy Enterprises International, is our host. She is crazy passionate about business and the evolution of people. Thank you for joining. Now let's listen in. And now, this week's sponsor. Whole Healed and Healthy Empowerment Group serves women in life transition, seeking change, requiring hope and support. This movement thrives on sharing the stories of women through a web series called Her Story, Her Journey. As a result of women sharing their stories, hundreds of women have found the support needed through challenging times. If you would like to learn more, please visit their Facebook page at Whole, Healed, and Healthy. The Improvement Award highlights local, regional, national, or international organizations that are excellently innovative, improving the lives of people and communities. If you are interested in receiving the Improvement Highlight Award on the Improve with Stephanie podcast, please email info at NelsonLegacyEnterprises.com. This week's Improvement Highlight Award recipient is the Improvement Highlight Award goes to the Nelson Foundation. The Nelson Foundation, founded by Alexis Nelson and named after her father, originated in 2006. The purpose and mission of the Nelson Foundation is to equip first-time investors to build wealth and achieve economic mobility through small business partnerships. To learn more, please visit www.rootedinllc.org. is a decorated career army officer, Black Hawk helicopter pilot, and servant leadership ambassador. Because of his proven skills, he was hand-selected to run the Army's leadership development program at two Boston colleges, where he and his team transformed college students into combat leaders. Today, he is a keynote speaker, leadership development coach, and chief experience officer. He is also the author of Unleash Your Values and podcast host for your evolving leadership journey. Let's welcome today's guest. So thank you, Tom, for joining the podcast today. I appreciate it. Um, So I'm going to let's just get right into it. And I ask every guest the same question, and that is, what lights your fire? Well, first, let me say thank you for having me as your guest. I'm honored and I'm flattered and I appreciate it. What lights my fire? Well, the same thing that's lit my fire for a number of years. So for those of you who are listening and whether or not uh, this resonates with you, hopefully it will. I'm a retired Army officer and my last job was running the ROTC department at two Boston campuses. And I just love whether, and I had the opportunity to do it throughout my entire year, uh, career, but at the, my last assignment, I spent three years with these, these young 
fresh minds that came off of out of high school they came onto the college campuses and and the job of my staff and I was to convert these people in, and transform them into combat leaders and a number of them in fact had to go to combat uh, I'm not saying that's a good thing but you know we had to prepare them so that they could do their job and so whether it was in the army preparing people for leadership roles or the coaching and speaking that I do today that's what really lights my fire. I enjoy getting people to, to think about leadership, not from a management perspective, but from a people perspective. How do I take care of the people on my team? How do I serve them? And yes, I use the word serve. And I am a big proponent of servant leadership. And I believe that um, the best leaders are the ones who operate from a position of humility and a four-letter word, love. You really need to love the people on your team. So that's a quick answer to your first question. I'm happy to continue, but uh, you go ahead and I'm uh, and get me rolling here. So I think for me, um, what's interesting about what you said was uh, the four-letter word of love. It's interesting because, in quite frankly, in the industry that I serve, um, rarely do you hear how people should love each other. So I'm interested in when you go into um, certain organizations with coaching and speaking, how you influence decision makers to rem and remind them that love is important if they are strictly thinking about it from a business perspective. Well, that's a great question. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have the same level of interaction with the numbers of people within an organization as I did. But you know, the clients I've had over the years when they when they, you know, there's a book. Um, there's a book that I read just this uh, last at the end of last year, I got to pre read it because I was uh, interviewing these get authors for my podcast and radio show. And uh, that radio show is called your evolving leadership journey. And the .com is the website. And the authors that I'm speaking to are Stephen and Mara Klemek. And they wrote a book called Above the Line. And it really, really touched me because what they were talking about, the, the above the line behaviors, if you will, are love and humility. And the below the line behaviors are fear and pride. And the very interesting thing about that concept is that they the way they lay it out and they did 20 years of research Mars a psychologist and Stevens a, a theologian and they just did they did their work with different companies and so the way it's laid out I just found it extremely fascinating because when I look at back at all the authors that I've read that really really touched me throughout the years and really helped shape what I was going to do as a leader and how I was going to lead you know I'll name the names and if you know anything about them they you have to if you, and if you've read their books, you, you, you know that they come from a deeply spiritual place. So if I start with uh, uh, Norman Vincent Peale or Kenneth Blanchard or Stephen Covey or John Maxwell, some of these people were preachers, as a matter of fact, and they, they changed to becoming leadership coaches and uh, Dale Carnegie. And then now we get into the 20th century. And, you know, I, I've been writing, um, I, I mean, my thing is to promote servant leaders in this world. I, I've had my chance to lead and when I've when I coach people like what I said and I get them to see, hey, you know, if you treat people the way you would want to be treated, you're just going to get so much out of uh, their their work performance. And you know, the more important thing is you're going to enjoy 
working with one another because it there's not an adversarial race relationship there's there's really there really is a way to cooperate and communicate as a team and not for one of the parties to feel like they're subordinate or inferior and it's all about the way you treat them and you know um i've been writing this series of articles on linkedin and, and, and if you were to follow me and find you can find them of course um the it's all about promoting servant leaders because that's what i'm passionate about and the one I'm going to write this coming week is, is going to touch on this book that I just referred to. And not only do they have this book, they have this, this indicator. And if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs or DISC or any of those types of assessments, they don't like to call their tool an assessment. It's an indicator. It's an indicator of where you are because whether your current behavior is above the line or below the line, it never has to stay there. It, and it's just a good mirror, if you will, to, to say, well, geez, you know, in this situation, I really could have been more compassionate or that sort of thing. Um, so for me, when I work with the, the, the people that I've coached, um, again, what turns me on or excites me is when the light bulb goes on in their mind and say, wow, it doesn't have to be that hard. And the way Stephen Clement uh, pointed it is, uh, excuse me, stated it was, bring your parent heart to work. Be a parent. Yeah. Be a parent. Um, treat, treat it like, like, it's not that it's a mother, it's a mother in child relationship or father in child relationship, but you would treat you would here's the analogy if i have a plant and i want that seed to grow i've got to put it in the right environment the right soil i've got to water it i've got to give it the right amount of sun and when you're in a in a leadership role if you try to treat the people on your team as that seed that you want to grow because when everybody grows the team gets stronger um it really changes how they perceive you and the entire dynamic within your team. Interesting, because I one of the, the key words that just kept jumping out at me while you were speaking is impact and how impact seems to, is, is not just a um, buzzword today, but really it's, it's like a life altering experience if you, um, for instance, my interaction with you today is going to have an impact on me and going forward, my knowledge base on servant leadership should impact how I then lead my team, right? And how I lead my team, you, I'll give you an example. Um, about four years ago now, I um, hired a gentleman for a job that he wasn't quite prepared for totally, but I knew that his experience wasn't at the level that I wanted it to be, but I was willing to take the chance because I felt like what he had to offer at this stage could blossom quickly, right? Mm -hmm. So behind mm -hmm. the scenes, I didn't know that he, they, his family, they were in financial peril and that this job was the job that literally helped them keep their home, mm -hmm. um, put their child in um, daycare for a bit, actually helped the mom 
leave her job, they had enough money that they could save so she could leave her job to be a stay-at-home mom. So impact to me is like a huge thing because you don't know the ripple effects of your personal and professional impact on someone's life. And so when I hear you talk about the seeds of um, servants and servitude and servanthood, if you will, and how you lead a team of people, it really um, just screams that that word impact. So for me, my question to you is, how do you parallel servant leadership with impact? So it's interesting because uh, you use the word impact and I don't remember using it, but maybe I just left you with that impression. Yes, you left me oh, with the Oh, okay, impression. okay, good. It wasn't okay. a word that you used at all. Nope, it was just right. something that I deduced. You know, let me let me share that with you via story because uh, I think people, um, people remember stories better than if I try to get on a soapbox and pontificate, if you will. Um, so what kind of impact can you have if you lead with a servant leadership style? If I were to rewind a couple decades or so, <laughs> when I was uh, serving as a young army captain, um, I was thrust into this situation where I was in charge, I was in command. That was, was an army command position, if you will. And uh, that would probably be the equivalent of some director in, a, in a, um, some business today. And if I didn't, leverage the abilities of everyone on my team, I was going to sink in this assignment. And this was a critical assignment because command positions are really a big deal. And so to, to kind of paint the story, so I go to the 101st Airborne Division at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and I'm one of 27 different company level commands. And, and my brigade commander, the boss that's two levels above me, has this vision. And he wants to reorganize the entire aviation brigade so that um, so there can be an even distribution of doing the missions to support the infantry. So that's the setting. And in order to make that happen, we had to do a transfer of a number of airframes or helicopters with this unit and that unit. And that swapping took a lot of energy from a lot of people and a lot of different organizations. You know, people who were, that didn't report to me, people who were senior to me that didn't report to me. And it was a matter of trying to cooperate and getting everybody together. And because I chose, so I'm getting to your point about impact, because I chose to realize, you know, that this is back to this part about humility I was talking about earlier, that I didn't have it. I couldn't do it all. And I leveraged the abilities of everybody on my team. Everybody pitched in and it became this, this united effort that uh, I'll never forget. It's the, the greatest professional accomplishment that I had to this day. Now, this was in 19... 88 to 1990 and I was there for almost two years and I was there for a little longer than I was expected because things were going well and then the day I leave Fort Campbell Kentucky is August 2nd 1990 now that may not mean something to a lot of people who are probably weren't even born that are listening to this by then but on that day is the day Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and they locked down that division and nobody could leave excuse me, seven days later, they locked down the division and I was already gone. The army had sent me to graduate school and my guys went off to combat and I'm eating my heart out because I couldn't go with them. You know, you spend a couple of years with people and you're there day to day and, you know, go through the daily grind and you're there, you got each other's back. Well, so here's the impact it had. 27 years after they returned, which was in 2017, they decide to have their very first reunion. Now, 
I was replaced by another captain and my boss, a lieutenant colonel, was replaced by another lieutenant colonel. And they didn't invite my replacement or my boss's replacement. They invited me. They invited my boss's boss. Why? Because we were the one who trained and prepared them and, and gave them the skills, or I shouldn't say gave them the skills. We nurtured the skills that they had and made them better. And they appreciated that. And so there's my story or message for you about what you can do and have an impact on, and it's funny too, when you're in a leadership position, um, it's a tough role. It can be lonely. People don't always appreciate when you're there, but you know, maybe deep down they do. And maybe hopefully it doesn't take 27 years for you to find out how much they really appreciated you. But when you do your job, they really do appreciate the fact that you're treating everybody with fairness and in you know, you're, you're even handed and you're giving everybody a chance to learn and grow, um, to contribute, to be part of a team. Uh, I would say that's how you create impact. I actually really agree with you. Great story. So what do you you think, um, guided your business and personal and career decisions since they seem to all be kind of intertwined in a way? Right. So, so for the personal part, you know, as a young 17 year old, you know, I thought um, just the way I was guided by my guidance counselor, the strengths that I had, um, they, they were pointing me towards an ROTC scholarship. And so I go and I get in a scholarship and I go to college and I go through and I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> but then again, of course, you know, if you, if people really want to drill down and read the things, you can read all these stories uh, in my uh, LinkedIn articles. In the very in the first in the first month of my very first assignment, it's a training environment. We're learning. I'm at the infantry officer basic course. I'm doing very well, and I'm at the top of my platoon. And then a month later, I'm in uh, in, in terms of peer ratings. A month later, I'm I go on this exercise, and I'm I don't do so well. And I I learn. I get a big dose of humility on that exercise, and I drop from the top third to the middle third. And then a month after that, I'm in charge and I don't do so well again. And I get another huge dose of humility and I drop from the middle third to the bottom third. And I, and now I'm off. I leave the infantry school. I go off to flight school to, to learn how to fly helicopters at Fort Rucker, Alabama. And, and I, I didn't get my transition that I wanted. So I get to start my career flying an older model UH-1 Huey helicopter instead of the Blackhawk that I eventually flew. But what made the difference is when I finally got into the leadership roles and all that humility I experienced, it caused me to treat people differently than had I been on my high horse like perhaps I was when I first got in the Army. And I think everybody needs that. And hopefully you don't have to learn lessons the hard way like I did. And so with that said, I had a very good role model as my battalion commander. Matter of fact, I have contact with him to this day. We're talking four decades later. He was a great role model. He was a servant leader. Uh, people looked up to him. Uh, just the, the people, the amount of respect that people had for him and the things that he did uh, were just incredible. So I think I pretty much exhausted most of that question. Um, and if not, please ask me again and I'll tell you what I didn't cover or we'll pick up what I didn't cover. There's no wrong answer. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing. So um, when I say to you, which I'm sure this will um, ignite the the passion in you, it starts with leadership. How do you respond to that? It starts with leadership. Yeah, I think that um, 
let's change that word from leadership to influence. Uh, whether it's sales or whether it's leadership, it's really about influence, right? Now, the, the real key is what type of influence do you want to exercise? Is it going to be coercive influence or is it going to be something where it's going to be collaborative? And it's all how you approach that, whether or not it's going to be a top-down driven thing, which, you know, that's the other misnomer is everybody assumes that in the army, that's the way things are. And no, hopefully I've given you an example where it wasn't that way. And I think that the very best leaders understood that and didn't, didn't deliver um, their messages in that manner. They were much more inclusive as opposed to coercive. And so, so does, when, when, I, when you say it starts with leadership, it does, because the, whether the organization is successful, it depends on the, um, the style of that leader. We used to have this expression um, that in the army called the unit, it went like this, the, a unit takes on the personality of a, the, their commander or its commander. And so if that commander was a tyrant, well, then people learn to be, act and behave that way. And if that person was a servant leader, well then, then you had that type of organization. And I got to tell you, um, there, was a, there was another experience and it happened uh, when I was a major where I actually got to work for a very short time, maybe a month for a tyrant. And I was, I was a little dismayed and I was concerned about how the army was going to handle it. And it was very, very pleasantly surprised because I'll never forget it. It was Labor Day weekend of 1995. And they had sent some investigators and along the short of it is because the commander that had taken over the unit where I was got relieved, it reinstilled my confidence and faith in the institution that, Hey, we are here to serve others, not to crush them and, you know, you know, put our thumb on them and, and you know, suppress their people. So that's, uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, leadership is going to dictate whether you have an organization where everybody's uh, wanting to pitch in, or everybody's gonna, you know, take a step back. And I don't want to be the one to volunteer. I don't want my wings to get clipped by the boss. That type of thing. It makes all the difference in the world. How do you create um, a servant leader? Um, how do you, what do you, what are some of the tools that you use to create servant leaders? You were in the you were in the military, and um, now have all of these different leadership tools how do you go and create servant leaders or nurture servant leaders yeah as far as a tool i mean there's there's probably what's called an arsenal there there could be a lot of it's, it you could take an assessment and determine your communication style and how to work and improve that and know what your blind spots are and there are assessment tools that measure your communication style, your motivators, your decision-making style, all sorts of assessment tools. And then the one I mentioned earlier, which is an indicator about whether your, your heart is above the line or below the line in the way you're doing things. And so everything to me, when, when I'm coaching somebody, it starts with some type of self-awareness. And usually using a tool is the best way to start so that we get the, we get a common grounding work because these things are done by psychologists and they, uh, they really know they've done their research and they're very accurate. I've never uh, taken one that didn't um, accurately define or depict what a person, who they were in these particular situations. So that's the, the start point. And then it's, it's a matter of nurturing and coaching. And so when you nurture and coach um, folks, what 
outcomes have you seen? Like what, what's the theme and results that you've experienced um, as a result of your coaching? Sure. So let me give you an example of a vice president. Um, this particular vice president was very technically savvy, knew what he was doing. Um, and, and it was his, his HR department actually had asked me to coach him. And uh, as, as we were working together, and it was over a period of three months, um, we just talked about some of the situations he was experiencing. And as we were go through the situations with, along with the curriculum, if you will, that I have, you know, to include the assessments and then some different things to, to generate discussion, he would open up and share what was going on in his world. And we would talk through and I said, well, well, I would ask him the questions that would lead him to start thinking, yeah, you know what, get, let's get back to that, that comment I made earlier. Maybe, maybe it is easier for me to just put on my parent hat and maybe I will get a different response from the people on my team if I treat them this way. And so, so it's a matter of giving people the confidence to believe that in fact, you can bring love to work and it's going gonna, it's gonna to prove a lot more successful than perhaps you've read about or heard about. And you're going to find your life is easier. The people around you are happier and all everything. It's just so much easier and you're more successful in the end. Define success. Mm, that's a, that's a philosophical question. That depends on who you are. You know, success for me could be, whether or not I'm converting people or I, my message is getting out and I'm creating more, helping the world um, experience more people who believe in servant leadership. Success for other people could be whether or not they have enough money or they have a car. So, so I guess it really depends on the person, but, but I've kind of answered the question for me. It's about whether or not more and more people have. So let me take a huge step back. I honestly believe that I learned leadership in the best leadership development culture in the world. And I feel like I owe all of those great insights, because you mentioned those words earlier, um, those great insights to the people that I'm working with so that they can in turn say, yeah, you know, there's an easier, better way to do this. And if I'm, you know, treating people like a servant leader would, it's, I'm just going to be much more effective. They're going to be happier. And like you said, the ripple effect, it's just going to make a bigger impact on the entire community around them and society as a whole. That's success to me. I, I, I resonate with that. It resonates with me. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, I think it's more about not necessarily um, tangible material things, but I think sometimes it's about the intangibles that um, define success because at the end of the day, um, you know, cars and houses come and go, right? But mm -hmm. it's what people can say about how you contributed to their lives, in my opinion, that um, define who you are authentically. Yeah, what do you, what do you want in your gravestone? I, he owned the big, biggest house and the best car or this person touched however many lives? Yeah, um, right, exactly. So um, who would you say are your industry influencers or mentors? I know you mentioned several um, mm -hmm. big names earlier, um, but who are your, um, who are the people who challenge you and um, help ha have created influence in your life? Sure. In, in, like I said earlier, in my younger days, when I was cutting my teeth as a leader in the army, it was Ken Blanchard, Stephen Covey, 
um, Dale Carnegie and those names that I mentioned today, like uh, the name I mentioned. So for me, I'm no longer in a um, in an organization, and I get most of my insights from the the amount of reading I do. And and as I pointed to earlier, like when I read a book like Above the Line by Stephen and Mara Clemick, those are the people who are my influencers and mentors um, that I have on a uh, uh, indirect basis these days. That's very, that's really cool because sometimes people tend to say that their influencers and mentors are these kind of major mega names, right? But sometimes you don't, sometimes it's the person who wrote, who's in your network who wrote the book and it just made an impact versus someone, um, I can't pick up the phone and call John Maxwell. I don't know about mm -hmm. you, but I can't. Um, you want to know another place where I get my sources of information and, you know, I don't, I don't know how people, how often people will say this, but it's the Bible and, and not everybody feels that way. And that's okay. If you're of a different faith, you might get it from different writings and that's fine, but those are inspirational messages. And a lot of times it grounds me and I find it very helpful as well. And it brings peace. more than anything. Yeah. Brings peace. Um, it reminds you to be grateful. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, we resonate. I resonate with that as well. The Bible is a, um, core teacher. It's a, it's a really good teacher of life and business. Um, so what do you say, um, these days is your passion project? Well, hopefully I have been talking about it all along, but to recap it all, um, a year ago I was doing a, a podcast similar to yours, and, but, and this is where I was doing the book authors and it, and it was called Your Evolving Leadership Journey. And so my project is getting people to helping them along on their leadership journey. And so I did that for six months and now I am in the process of writing these articles about servant leadership and to highlight how great great things that are happening with servant leaders and their organizations and their businesses. And I'm on the 11th article so far, and these are all in my uh, profile, it, it, you know, and these are free. So it's not like uh, I'm directing anybody to, to send money my way. But if you're interested in leadership development from a servant leader aspect, it's something that I'm passionate about. I've been doing it for almost three months now. I'll publish my next article on Tuesday and I'm going to keep doing that because I've, I've, I've interviewed a number of people who, who feel servant leadership is important. Uh, I've only exhausted maybe half of the list and I will keep going. And then when I get close toward the end, I'm gonna reach out to more people who are servant leaders and ask them how they're impacting the world and write up their story as well. That's fantastic because I think the stories of leaders um, is important so that we have those examples. I really think it's important to have examples that we can point to um, that are, legacy right so writing articles is a legacy building tool in my opinion it doesn't go anywhere unless you obviously you can move it from linkedin and create a book or of some sort you know to make sure people never forget that servant leadership is really really important so thank you so much for your time today thank you for sharing some really good tools on how to be the best type of leader that you can be if there was one thing that you could share with um, the audience um, to make sure they never forget servant leadership what would it be 
Well, first, thank you for having me. And I would say, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Look up the book Above the Line. It, it really touched me. And, and like I said, I've done a lot of reading and I can't say that for all the books I've read. So look it up. And if you go to their website, matter of fact, if I can see it quickly, I'll tell you, I don't want to. Yeah, I've got it right here. Go to heartstyles.com forward slash book. And you'll see that you can buy the book and to the right. If you're interested, you can actually take their heart styles indicator for free. That's what I would tell everybody who's listening. Wow. So thank you again. This was a great discussion. And I hope that people were able to take away some key nuggets on how to be the best kind of servant leader. Thank you for listening. Join us weekly for high impact episodes to help you grow, scale, and innovate your company. Find us online at nelsonlegacyenterprises.com.